This episode of the OP Radio Podcast, sponsored by BlueChew.com, promo code OPOPIE to try it for free. And it's also sponsored by HemplandUSA.com slash OP. CBD, bitches. 20% off right now if you use the promo code OPOPIE. Boners and CBD. These two should get married. Oh, yeah. What's up, Judd Jones? Not much, man. How are you today? Uh, you know, uh, I've been dreading talking to you on the podcast, considering you uh, you were with me when I saw Vic Henley for the last time. Uh, oh, my God. What, what happened to Vic? Is he all right? <laughs> uh, yeah, man. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, now I got now, now to play Vic. Really? 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 
Yeah, uh, of course, uh, for the people shit. that don't know, uh, Judge Jones was Vic Kenley's neighbor as well. And uh, Vic insisted that me and you became, become friends. So you're stuck with me, Judge Jones. All right, man. Fair enough. Well, you seem all right so far. Uh, no, however, I, I'm not all right whatsoever. I uh, <laughs> I play a, I play a good game. I know how to get my energy up, but um, I'm kind of lost, man. I'm not going to lie to you. I've been just kind of wandering around lost for the last, what, two or three weeks at this point. Uh, I completely empathize with that. I tell you, you know, it's made me think like, you know, I mean, the reason I met you and Carl and Sherrod was because of Vic. You right. Know? And um and then when uh, Carl passed away, I mean, I knew how close you guys were. Like, he and Vic were good friends. Yeah. So you guys were real tight. And, yeah. and you, uh, like, I saw you not long after that. And we were kind of all of us talking about it. It might have been a podcast or something. But you just kind of had that a look in your eye a couple times, like a shell shock thing. And, and man, that's that's what I got right here, dude. I yeah. mean, it's the yeah. same thing, you know. It's when you, when, when you text or talk or see – a uh, friend of yours damn near every day for years and then all of a sudden like i haven't texted or talked to him in a couple weeks and it's just fucking weird man yeah i mean how long did you know um vic uh, you, you you lived next to him for i think at least three years right no more yeah, than I, that I, yeah I, I moved here and uh moved to new york in 2015 right and um and then not long after that i met lisa and we've been together ever since and like a year after that I moved in. She lives next door to Vic, and we're still together now. Yeah, and uh, as far as I know, no, I'm just joking. <laughs> but um, but but uh, I I went to a bar around the corner. I, I went in there. Went to, we went to the bar, and I was talking to the bartender, and I told him I did stand up comedy, and I just moved from Houston. I hadn't been doing it that long, and he asked me if I knew who Vic Henley was, and I recognized the name, but I just couldn't place him, and. Like two weeks later, I'm back in the bar, and the guy was like, he was saying that Vic comes in there all the time. Well, two weeks later, Vic comes walking in, and he that bartender Matt, who I'm still you know in touch with, he introduced us, and um, I told him that I started in Houston, and you know because Vic traveled all over the country doing stand up for years, he knows a lot of Houston people, and I mentioned this particular guy named John Wesley who's still a, he's a Houston comedian. Vic knew John Wesling, and since I mentioned Houston, <laughs> I t- found out like a year after that that uh, Vic called John Wesling like, to check in, to be like, hey, I met this guy Judd. Is he worth the shit? <laughs> oh, wow. No kidding. That's hilarious. <laughs> you know, like, but since then, man, you know, I'm literally, we're, we're one door down from each other. So, you know, when you haven't, uh, you know, haven't been doing comedy that long and you move and meet somebody like Vic, I mean, shit, dude. I mean, that guy, he's a, he was a pro, you know, but he was, I mean, nothing but nice to me from the beginning. Yeah. I mean, he didn't have, he didn't have to be. And, um, you know, I think, you know, being from Texas and him being from Alabama, we had that. He liked to talk about, you know, how big of an Auburn fan he was. Sure. Um, well, I went to Texas A&M. So Auburn, you know, in, in Alabama, it's Auburn and Alabama, uh, Auburn and Alabama and Texas, it's Texas and Texas A&M. Well, Texas A&M and Auburn are considered the stepchildren of their respective states. Yeah, exactly. So we kind of bonded football-wise on that, like always the underdog kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah, You know, but yeah, man, he was, uh, you know, nothing but cool to me, and took me around all the clubs and introduced me to everybody, and I got to open for him. We actually had a, a gig scheduled or multiple gigs this past weekend. <laughs> he like he told me that he liked to uh, 
uh, book gigs on tax weekend because that was his <laughs> fuck you to the government. Right. <laughs> oh, good old Vic. You guys, uh, you probably hung out with Vic um, the most in the last few years, uh, you know, because because of the fact that you were neighbors and, you know, that uh, Vic's favorite bar was right around the corner and you guys hung out there a lot. I know Carl hung out at that bar as well. And that's how I got to that's how I got to know Carl was sitting in those bars right around the corner. I mean, especially when Carl was damn near pretty much living at Vic's for what was it, last summer? Yeah. Some of the spring. Yeah. And um fuck, we hung out all the time, man. I mean, you know, we would just go down to the bar down the street. But with Vic, I mean, been in comedy so long, he knows so many people and he's got different circles of friends like everybody does. But I mean, just kind of watching, you know, how he was on stage and with the people, whatever. I mean, it's a good example of how to get it done because, you know, I've, I've told people from the beginning, you know, I haven't been doing stand-up comedy that long. I just want to make a living out of making people laugh. I don't care about celebrity, any shit like that. If that were to happen, well, we'll deal with that if that happens. And that's what Vic did. I mean, a lot of people knew him, but he wasn't, you know, A-list people that you know, but the motherfucker did well. And I mean, he was, you know corporate gigs out the ass he's doing club gigs he's doing everything and he's he did it until he died yeah I mean, he was just you know doing fine i'm so know? glad you said that because uh you're 100 percent right uh vic was as funny as they come he had a lot of success and he downplayed his celebrity big time he was all about uh doing the hang he was all about making people laugh no one made him happy about me and our friendship when I would tell him that I was with my family fishing at the beach. He's like, good, stay there. Like he was that's when he was happiest for me when I was away from the nonsense of radio and comedy and all that horse shit. And was just living a normal life uh, with my family. That that's uh, what I'll, I'll always remember about uh, about Vic. family and friends, family and friends family first and friends was first. Everything. Yes, everything. And, you know, it's funny. You, know? you um you mentioned the first time you, you met Vic. I uh, I honestly don't remember the first day I met Vic. Um, I was doing radio. I believe he just came in like uh, a million other comics. And, mm -hmm. you know, we hit it off immediately. And he's the type of guy, and you don't get a lot of these people in your life, that you honestly don't remember when you met him because you really feel like they just always were part of your life. And uh, Vic was sure. one of those guys. I don't know how long I, met, I, I knew him. If I had to guess, I would say six or seven years. I don't know. I can't pinpoint it because yeah. he simply just felt like someone that was always around in my life. Um, and uh, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'm having a tough time with this. Uh, so me and some of my friends on the Internet have decided that you are responsible for Vic's death. What? Um, yeah, <laughs> since you uh, you didn't bring him out to your house on the beach. <laughs> Are you crazy? It's we've come to a consensus. It's all your fault. Yeah, uh, Vic would be alive if it wasn't for you and your selfishness. Oh, okay, that's exactly what's going on. <laughs> You're nuts. He hinted that he wanted a quarantine here, and I like I was like, dude, because he wasn't taking the coronavirus seriously, and there's rumors all over the internet. Vic Henley did not die for the coronavirus. How am I responsible for a, a pulmonary embolism? Well, no, that's the thing. Well, you're responsible for everything. Everybody dies around you, so my yeah, days yeah. are numbered. God forbid, Sherrod, he yeah. knows you better. Yeah, he's... I mean, everyone's going to die. It's all because of you. Yeah. Like, that seems to be what uh, some people seem to think. <laughs> I, I, I hope Sherrod is living like John Travolta in that old, old movie. You're too, you're too young for it, I think, but... 
Uh, John Travolta was in a movie. I believe it was called Bubble Boy. And I Bubble hope, Boy, right. Yeah, and yeah, I, I hope Sherrod is living like John Travolta in that movie. Because, Keep it all away. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah no, I, I've, seen, I've seen pictures where he, he's up in the hills somewhere doing something. Yeah, he's up the. Oh, no, he's uh, scared shitless, so he's hiding. Um, but Vic, Vic uh, yeah, he hinted he wanted to come out here. I'm like, dude, you're not taking the coronavirus seriously, though. So if you come out here, you're going to have to take a Perel bath. And we had a, oh, yeah. no, we had a good no, laugh Vic, over that, man. No, 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 for sure. Well, if you know, I had to laugh at that. I heard that and saw some shit, and I just it cracked me up. Yeah, but because uh, yeah, it's all your fault. Oh um, yeah, okay. Because I'm right. the only one that deals with death. I'm the only one that knows people that died. Right. Yeah. Unfortunately, no, no, but, unfortunately, when the people die around me, because I'm a public figure, everyone knows it. Sure. They're yeah. like, damn. Yeah. Him again. Yeah. Golly. Yeah, right. But it is creepy. Carl and uh, Vic Henley both gone within six, seven months, and they were roommates, man. They yeah, were roommates I mean, to the end, uh, pretty much uh, to the end of Carl's life. Carl only left for his own apartment in uh, Queens. Yeah. I don't, I don't know, maybe a month before he died. That not was even. It. Not even, right. Yeah. Right, right, right. He was still at Vic's. Yeah. Uh, he died, what, September? And, yeah, that was all through summer. So he, had, yeah. he was barely in there. Uh, we offered for him to come down. We're in Florida. Right. He came down here a few weeks ago and, um, uh, you know, and then he passed away like a week after we were here and it was just the, you know, fucking wildest thing. But I'll tell you, I'll tell you two things. One, Vic was not meant for a quarantine. Oh God, no. And I can't say he was having a hard time with it, but he's, his mind's always going and he's always needs some, you know, something to talk about or people to talk with or something like that. Yeah. And, you know. He was still coming over. We were barbecuing, still in the middle of all this shit. Oh, I know, because we were talking on a regular basis, and uh, I was like trying to tell him to you know, take this coronavirus very seriously, and he basically would be like, fuck you, I'm going to Judge's house, Judge, uh, yeah. Judge Jones's house, and we're going to do some barbecue. <laughs> that's right, that's right, yeah. It's so funny, as much as, as good of a cook he was, he never had shit in his apartment. Right. Like, he just never had it, so anytime we'd be making an order or something, um, you know, I'd say, you know, we'd say even before all this, I'd say, hey, man, we're going to make an order from Costco or something like that. Do you want anything? And sometimes he'd put in on it. So before we left, we made an order. And I said, hey, man, you want any fucking meat or anything like that? We're making this order. He's like, oh, yeah. He's like, give me like a hundred bucks worth of whatever. So we ordered that and we gave it to him. And, and, and he was like, oh, let me go get that money. And he, it was after we barbecued and he was all fucked up. You know, we were both fucked up. And he's like, let me walk over and get the money. I was like, dude, don't even fucking worry about it. And then two days later, we leave and he dies. So I'm out of uh, 100 bucks. Oh, so you're out of 100. That's, oh, dude. That sucks. Yeah. And all that, and all that meat's in his fucking freezer, dude. Goddamn. It, 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 I know how to get yeah. into that apartment. Let's go get that meat and celebrate Vic's right. life with a nice barbecue. <laughs> yeah. I remember the first time I met you because I was like, who the hell is this guy in our inner circle? Right, because we were William Stevenson's thing. Yeah, yeah, we were uh, at Vic's uh, apartment because William Stevenson uh, he passed, and he was very close to Vic. Uh, you know, he played cards with uh, Vic a lot, and they were very close. And uh, yeah. he was so distraught that Carl called me. He's like, "I'm on, you know, on the way to Vic's, and meet me over there." And I did, and we're sitting in Vic's apartment, and and all of a sudden. We needed meat or something, and then uh, we ran out of food because uh, more people showed up. Ran out of the, all the cold cuts. No, no, you're you're missing a very important part. We What's we that? we ran out of food before I got there, and then, before you. Oh, yeah, that's and, the important. And Carl, 
being the guy that always wanted to take care take care of everybody around him, looked at you like, what do you got? And you're like, I don't know, I might have some uh, steak or something. So you brought over like the cheapest looking steak from Costco. The and, Costco steaks. Yeah, that's and right. Carl was looking at me like, who? What the fuck? What can I do with well, this? Right, right, crap? right. But, but you know, and I and I had you know known Carl a little bit at that time, yeah. not that well. Yeah. And so when I showed up, they were the fucking uh, uh, Costco filet mignon, whatever. And then, and then he was like, what the fuck is that? Like it was something shitty. And yeah. I was like, you're the chef, motherfucker. Do <laughs> yeah. you imagine? Yeah. But we were busting your balls. And then right, it, right. And then it turns out. About? <laughs> and then it turns out Carl looked at that as a challenge. Because the meat wasn't that good, John, to be honest with you. It, 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 right, was, right, right. it was looking Costco a little meat. rough. Yeah, yeah. Right, um, right. And uh, Carl was up for the challenge. And remember what he made? Because it was just simply amazing. Oh, yeah, he, put it, he, he put it in the oven for a little bit. And then he sliced it and seared it. Yeah. What is it called? The reverse sear. Reverse yeah, the reverse sear. sear. Absolutely. And then. Yeah. And then I left thinking you were just going to be, you know, the guy with the cheap meat. <laughs> right. I'm thinking because I don't know your connection with Vic. I'm like, why is this right, guy even yeah. here, man? <laughs> <laughs> cheap meat. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, uh, you know, Vic just kept pushing um, you on 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 me and the podcast. He's like, hey, you know, when we went to get parts, Vic's like, I want to bring Judd. He's really funny. He's got stories. I'm like, yeah, you know, I trust Vic, obviously. Yeah. And right. lucky for you, you're not known as the guy with the cheap meat anymore because then. No, that's good. I'm, yeah, because then we, we spend many, many days together podcasting <laughs> and whatnot at get parts. Yeah, and uh, you actually you actually were at get parts. The last time I, I saw Vic, that famous day where we had Dick Cox bring a bar to a bar. That was such a fun day. Yeah. Because not only because of everything that was going on, even though we all got fucked up, even Vic, we were able to pace it to where we were able to do what we wanted to do and have a good time and then get the fuck out of there. Yeah. It just worked out. Like, that was such a fun day. Man. Well, I don't know what your definition of pacing is because... We go to get parts. Dick Cox has a loaded bar, and Matt's shaking his head at me, basically saying, oh, do what you have to do, you know? But he was so confused why this guy from South Carolina was bringing a whole bar to a bar. And the first podcast, if you remember, was perfect, man. We had a really good time right. and everything. And well, that's was, part of the pacing. That's part of the pacing. Yeah, and, and we then were, it went, and then when it, yeah, yeah. No, I was gonna just say we were celebrating uh, Vic CD. He was really proud of it. Uh, Hell is real which turned out great and he was happy about it and we were celebrating yeah. and we got a perfect podcast and we're starting to think about getting that fried chicken at ribbon, which uh, me and yes. Vic did numerous times. Actually, you, you, me and Vic did that a few times. Yeah, we did as that. Well. We did that before. Yeah, that was yeah. really good. We didn't get the. What else did they have? They talked about the oysters over there. Uh no, he loved the uh, deviled eggs. I can't deviled wait. eggs. That's what it was. Deviled eggs. There you go. Yeah. If I ever go back to New York City to celebrate Vic's life, I'm gonna go to Ribbon. I'm gonna have some fried chicken. I'm gonna sit at the exact same table we usually sat at. I'm gonna yeah. get the deviled eggs, and I'm gonna to just fucking eat it all and just smile and think of Vic because he was... I'll be with you. I'll be with you. Oh, hell yeah. Absolutely. More than, more than invited. It's the least we I can was... do. We're ready to close up shop at Gephardt's and then Vic looks at me like, let's do another one. <laughs> 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 and I think the episode's called uh, This Was a Bad Idea. This Was a Bad Idea. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah. It wasn't right. a bad idea. I'm, I'm so happy we did another one because it was just so sloppy and so good and, you know, 
honest. It was loud and fun, yeah. Honest, yeah. honest Vic comes out with a little of that anger, and, and he's even funnier. And <laughs> and then well, uh, yeah. and yeah. and then that episode ends, and then it's like, all right, let's go to Ribbon because at this point he he called uh, uh, the comedy club and said, I'm not, you know, he, I remember. Oh, I don't want to blow up his spot, but I remember he was trying to uh, say that he was stuck in traffic. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. He, no, he said he was out in Queens and yeah. shit like that. I'm thinking to myself, comedy club owner is not going to buy this. We're in a bar. And at this point, you know, with get parts, if we stayed too late, they would start turning on the music and the people would be coming in. So you could hear all that in the background as Vic is trying to convince this guy that he's stuck in traffic in Queens. <laughs> right. <it's- laughs> The party going on in the right, background. Exactly. <laughs> with the Dick DJ's Cox, already showed up. Yeah, did, yeah right. with Dick Cox yelling, what are you drinking, Vic? Shut yeah, up, right. shut up. I'm stuck <laughs> in traffic. You want another racist beer? <laughs> yeah, 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 that, that peach right. beer. And then we didn't make it for the chicken. No, well, <laughs> well then from Get Parts to Ribbon, it's a, it's a short couple block walk, maybe three blocks. And no, I no, well, you, yeah, you and I were walking up front. Yep. And then Dick Cox and Vic were walking, and and Dick made it across the road at the light, and Vic didn't. And then you said, "Excuse me," and you went to see what the hell's going on with Vic at the light. That's right. And then it was me and Dick Cox uh, because <laughs> because and then I, I I whistled at him because he was just kind of circling there. It's like looking confused. I whistled at him. I was like, "You all right?" And then he. Walked over at the light, and you know I've seen that look before. I yeah. said, uh, "All right, man, let's jump in the cab. You yeah. want to head up?" Yeah, he's like, "Yeah, yeah." <laughs> so, so my last memory in person of Vic Henley was him just staring off into the distance as I'm a foot from his face, <laughs> saying, "Oh hey. shit, yeah, okay." <laughs> saying, wow. "Are you okay?" And and you go, "Ah, dude, we'll have to take a rain check on the fried chicken. I gotta get yeah, uh, Vic right. home, we'll get which, it next time, which is awesome." Time. You you <laughs> threw him into a cab. And uh, and you guys took off, and then me and Dick Cox went and, and had the fried chicken at uh, right. And then you Ribbon. know, uh, yeah, y'all went to go have fried chicken, and we actually went uptown, smoked a little weed, and then that was it. Oh shit! So so <laughs> oh, he, yeah, had, yeah. he had a bit of a comeback. Oh sure, just open the window a little bit in the cab, get some breeze on your face. That's all you need. Yeah, right on. <laughs> oh Judd, I I wanted to ask you about uh, Blue Chew. Are you are you a boner guy? Well, by nature, I haven't needed uh, haven't needed that. And well, shit, man, I drink Jack Daniels. I'm open to most shit. Okay, the time, there you, you know? go. Yeah, I love yeah. the I love the Blue Chew. Uh, they've been with the podcast for a very very long time, and I really really appreciate these guys. And you know, they're talking about increasing performance in the bedroom uh, with the Blue Chew. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. Uh, You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you could be ready whenever an opportunity arises. How about that, Judge Jones? Hit the gas. If you can hit the gas, drop the pill and get it. And, And get it on! I'm with you. I'm with you. Uh, Blue Chew is prescribed online by licensed physicians, so you don't have to go to the doctor's office or wait in line at the pharmacy, and we all don't want to be waiting in any lines these days. Right, Judge Jones? At at least six feet. Yeah, exactly. But can you imagine you get the coronavirus because you were waiting in line at the pharmacy to to get a dick pill? 
That's stupid. No, no, just send it to my house. Just send it to my house. I'll take it that way. They ship it right to your door, and guess what? In a discreet package, so those nosy neighbors don't know what you're getting. Right. Well, if they saw a big boner on the side of that box, I wouldn't care. That's all. <laughs> that would be the dumbest thing they could do. Sure. Oh, that's Judd's box. He got <laughs> right. it right there. Right. Yeah. That'd be the stupidest thing to do if you were BlueChew.com and have a giant boner on the side of your packaging. Check right. out my logo. It's my prime. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Visit BlueChew.com. Get your first shipment free when you use the special promo code OPOPIE. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's Blue, B-L-U-E, BlueChew.com, promo code Opie to try it for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and I thank them for sponsoring the podcast. Hey, Judd, you into the CBD? CBD. Uh, I think I've had like some CBD, like a, an ointment, like you're massaging your neck or something, something like that. I don't know. Well, I'm going to have to send you some from Hempland USA. Right. Okay. Hempland. Yeah. Hempland USA, America's number one CBD company. I love these guys. They uh, sent me some samples and now I'm all in. And as I'm uh, thinking about Hempland USA, I just realized that I ran out. They gave me the uh, the ECS5, which is a groundbreaking enhanced CBD product. And, and, it, and it chills me out. It melts me out. It's nice. I really like it. And I swear okay. to you, I feel like I'm thinking clearer when I'm on the, the CSS5, the ECS5. <laughs> I guess I'm not ECS5. thinking that clearer. <laughs> See, well, you're so relaxed that you fucked it up right there. Oh, Judd Jones, that's why you're the best. I'm sorry. I, I, that's I'm why sorry. you're the best. You're so relaxed. It works. No, I've been thinking about CBD for a really long time, and then I finally settled on uh, Hempland USA after doing a lot of research, and they've been hey, around man, a, a long a time. I'm a fan of that shit. I'm oh. telling you, there's something to it, man. It's out there. Oh, wonderful. No, I, I, I really do believe in uh, in Hempland USA, uh, USA especially. It's all about value with them. What you get is more CBD for less money, a win-win for everyone. They got a lifetime money-back guarantee. How crazy is that? Uh, it's all about the ECS5 for real. I really, really like that product a lot. ECS5 contains a unique blend of black pepper, clove, hops, rosemary, and jujube that supercharges CBD so that your body can process it better. They also gave me um, some kind of ointment. Uh, I got a bad lower back problem, and they got an ointment. Lower back, that's right. That's right. You had, a, you had the problem in Florida and Disney. Oh, thank you for remembering that. And that was I, I remember that, but I think that was more general family stress than anything else. You think? But they got this uh, therapeutic cream from Hempland USA. I did use it on my back, and it, it gives you a little heat, a little heat. Sure, I like it. A little lower back heat. Uh, uh, nothing wrong with a little lower back heat, right, Judge Jones? <laughs> That's what I say, and I used to work on Broadway. You can take 20% off your next order by using the link hemplandusa.com slash opie. Don't forget the promo code Opie, O-P-I-E, at checkout to get 20% off. That's not bad, right, Judd? It's, I, I, feel, I feel very optimistic. That sounds wonderful. Experience the Hempland USA difference today by going to hemplandusa.com slash Opie. Use the promo code Opie, O-P-I-E, at checkout for 20% off. That's hemplandusa.com slash Opie. Use the code Opie, O-P-I-E, at checkout. I love Hempland USA. Beautiful. We got CBD and dick pills. I'm excited. I said at the beginning of the podcast, they should get married. Sure. Boners and CBD. Work together. Work together. That's that's yeah. a perfect marriage right there. I want to relax and have a heart on. <laughs> perfect. Makes sense to me. I don't know. Shit. I got to ask one serious question. Do you think um, him getting hit by that car had anything to do with this in the end? Have you thought about it? 
I have thought about it. And um, I mean, you know, and we're not a, speaking out of turn either because this was all on the podcast. I, uh, no, 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 100%. Get a, a, a pulmonary embolism, which is what he died of, or a heart attack, something like that. I, I, I've always said shit like that is like the, the air conditioner falls out of the window when you're walking by. Yeah. Like it can just, boom, it can happen to anybody. Um, but one of the things that leads to a pulmonary embolism is a previous injury. And so, you know, what are the odds? I don't know what the odds of that, that might have had anything to do with it. Um, he, he was not having any residual effects from that that I knew of. And I would ask him about it, you know. And I mean, again, I talked to him so often that if he was sick or something was going on, I, I knew about it. Sure. He didn't even say hit by a car when he first told me. He said, I feel like he said bumped or something like that, but it was enough to take him off his feet because he landed on his like you know like on his hip and his elbows yes. kind of on his back and that's where he had bruises yes but you know he got he got popped you know a little bit but the car was turning left and it wasn't like full speed or anything like that but that's how he described it you know could that cause what happened to him yeah dude i saw him plenty leading up to that i mean you know the i left a week before he passed away and actually the the last <laughs> the last time i saw vic we were out in the front of the building. He I, he knew we were leaving the next day to come down to Florida. And he says, hey, man, uh, he goes, do you have any spare toilet paper? So I just don't have to fuck, <laughs> fuck with doing that. And I said, sure, man. Yeah. So And we had talked and texted that day or whatever. So it was like 9 o'clock at night. And um, we met out in the front, just on the front of the sidewalk in front of the buildings. And, and I gave him a half package of toilet paper. And then a, a to-go thing from the freezer that had pulled pork that I made a couple of days before. Yeah. So I gave him toilet paper and pulled pork <laughs> was the last thing. Is, and then as he's going back into the building, he says, going to Florida is a mistake. Oh, really? That's what he told me. So uh, that was the last thing. I mean, I talked to him on the phone after that, yeah. you know, being down here. But that was the last time I saw him telling yeah. us that going to Florida was a mistake. <laughs> yeah, I uh... – <laughs> I it's it, so yeah. I mean, we actually did a podcast. Uh, I don't know. We recorded probably I don't know, about ten days before he died, and uh, you know, I just called him up like I'm calling you up, just checking in on him. And uh, man, we were having such a great conversation. And it was cool because it was it, we had tons of those type of conversations without without ever recording them. It's funny because he told me he was so happy because of the self-quarantining and staying at home that he reconnected with his mom and he was pretty much talking to her every day and he was really really enjoying the conversations with her yes and i i decided because i got his his some of his family's contact information to call his mother last week and uh boy that was a fucking rough one dude not gonna lie to you that was a that was a tough one as soon as she answered and i said i said is this gloria and she said yes I was paralyzed, dude. Really? I couldn't talk. I mean, that it hit me the hardest yeah. since he died right there. Yeah. And I was paralyzed. I couldn't get out the words. I wanted to say who I was and all that. And I couldn't. And she could hear that I was having trouble. And then she says, and this is perfect, that it's Vic Henley's mother. Well, honey, I couldn't quite hear you. You're going to have to speak up. There's a storm blowing through. <laughs> <laughs> and it <laughs> It, it immediately broke the ice. Yeah. And uh, and I talked to her for two hours, man. 
and um, super, super nice lady, everything that you would think she is, Southern, very proper and all that. She told me some things that I didn't know. She said that Vic, uh, photographic memory, which makes sense, he would never say that, but he had a, he had a crazy memory. But she said he had a photographic memory. Right. She, she said that when he was in the second grade, the school wanted to move him up to the sixth grade. Wow. Right? That's yeah. what she said. And um, that he always got all A's, but always got F's in conduct. That, that makes total sense, right? <laughs> yeah, total sense. Yeah. Total sense. But she told me when I was talking to her how much he had called during all this. And I thought, wow, that's interesting. Telling all sorts of stories and stuff that he had done. And so I thought that was pretty nice, you know. And so she was telling me all sorts of stuff, and I was telling her some stuff, but you know, not too much stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but she also knew, and she also got, I mean, she got calls from you know, name the comedian, man. I mean, every comedian who's been around for you know twenty, thirty more years knows Vic. So yeah. you know, but a lot of people have reached out to his family. Yeah, man. Um, I mean, the outpouring from all uh, all those top comics was unbelievable. I didn't I didn't even realize he knew, you know, had a connection with all those guys because he downplayed it all the time. He completely downplayed it. I, I was with him a few times when his, you know, he'd get a call on his phone or something. You'd see a name on there and be like, holy shit. Yeah, yeah exactly. Know? I mean, I mean, that 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 happened every once in a while. But because, you know, everybody knew him. And, you know, I thought it was cool, you know, uh, you know, Adam Sandler commented right. about Vic passing away. And uh, one night we were going to the club and Vic had the last spot on that night. And we were just been hanging out in the bar before that. So we walked down to the comic strip and in front of the strip, there's a few people standing out there. And all of a sudden somebody raises both arms and says, Vic Henley, like that. And Vic doesn't have his glasses on. He goes, who the fuck is that? And we're walking and we get a little closer. And I was like, that's fucking Adam Sandler, dude. Jesus. And Vic was like, oh, Adam. So, <laughs> right. You know, right. And so, you know, he had been there because his nephew, Jared, is a comedian who performs in the strip. So uh, Adam was just there that night. He told Vic, he goes, I saw you were the uh, closing out the show. I st- stuck around. So I just want to say hi to you before you walked in. He's standing out there with his nephew and the manager of the club because he was waiting for Vic to come in so he could say hi to Vic. How cool is that, man? Yeah. I was just like, oh, well, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But, I mean, the, the people – I mean, we were at, a bar, at the bar one time after being at the comic strip. Jordan Rock is a comedian in, in New York who's uh, – Oh, I know Chris Jordan. Rock. Yeah. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's yeah. A very cool Tony guy. Rock's brother and Chris, yeah. and Chris Rock's brother. Yep. So they were, ta- they were talking about something, I guess, some connection to the, that their family has to people living in South Carolina or something like that. So it was something about the South, so they were talking about it in the club. And like an hour later, in Vic at the bar, and his phone lights up and it says Chris Rock on the top of it. And so he's like, oh, hey, Chris, just like it's, you know, whatever, man. I mean, yeah. you know, everybody knew him, dude. Everybody knew the guy. That's- yeah. It just yeah. sucks. The last, uh, the last thing I discussed with Vic Henley was Tiger King. <laughs> I talked to him a little bit about that. That is uh, very exciting. There is, uh, yeah, very hillbilly. But uh, yeah, you know, well, yeah. I, I bummed him out a little bit because he wrote me uh, a while. It was like two days before he went. He wrote, uh, "Finished Tiger King," 
And then he uh, goes, I saw a tiger and a tiger saw a man. The music video fucking killed me. And then I had to be the one that told him that the Tiger King did not sing that song. Yeah, that's what he told me, too. He told me the same thing. Yeah, yeah. well, he got it from me because I, I, I burst oh, in his okay. bubble because yeah. he was all excited. I'm like, dude, everyone thinks the, the Tiger King has an amazing voice, but he hired some, uh, some band, some musician. I think his name is uh, Vince Johnson. Here it is. And vocalist Danny Clinton are actually behind the songs in the music videos. And then uh, the Tiger King guy, uh, he would just, uh, Joe Exotic, he would just sing very softly over the vocals. Well, are the guys who wrote it, uh, are they as good a performer as Joe Exotic? Ah, I think hell not. Nah. Fuck no, dude. There's no way. He's a performer. He's right. a performer. Yeah, yeah. 100%. And Carol Baskin <laughs> killed her husband. Fed, oh, that, yeah. fed him to the Tigers. I have no doubt in my mind. Look, man, that's like one of the if you've got a place that's got a bunch of tigers. Yeah. You know, you, you can probably get away with killing somebody. It's like people who've got a pig farm. Yeah. It's the same shit. Starve the pigs for a while. They'll eat anything. Oh, yeah, man. Same, same thing. Oh, yeah, for sure. She's got way too much of like a Hillary Clinton thing going on. in my 100 percent. Hillary. Clinton. Boy, it's weird, man. It's yeah, cause, weird because everyone is trying to figure out, you know, who should play Joe Exotic, to, uh, uh, Joe Exotic. And I'm like, well, Hillary Clinton should play Carol Baskin. What else oh, is she completely. doing? Completely. <laughs> what else is she doing? Completely. I'm not worthy uh, when it comes to talking music with Vic Henley. And, and you're talking about a guy that, you know, on the radio pretty much my entire life. So I knew I, I know a little bit about music, but uh, Vic sure. just blew me away. But every once in a while, we would just bond on the dumbest things. Like when uh, Bill Withers died, we both were in agreement that um, Bill Withers at Carnegie Hall in 1973 was just an, a, a simply an amazing performance. You know, we would bond on stuff like that every once in a while. I he, he, had, he had told me that y'all talked about that before. Yeah. And, and, there, and, and I'll tell you this, man. Uh, we were performing in Baltimore about, was I guess, what, two months ago at Magoobie's Comedy yeah, Club. Sure. And um, I was opening for him. And actually, that weekend, I thought Vic died twice because he wouldn't answer the phone, sleeping in and shit. But when we were coming back, because he felt so bad about sleeping in the last day, he kept saying, I'm sorry, because we got late coming back to New York. And he's like, but I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. And I was like, no, man, fuck, don't even worry about it. Because when, when something, when he did something that wasn't like professional in his mind, like being late for a flight or yeah. not, you know, something like, like that irritated the shit out of him because he was always there in time on, you know, that whole thing. And I wasn't worried about it, but he kept like, you know, apologizing all this. I'm like, ah, man, don't even worry about it. And I'm telling you, man, on the way back, we listened to a lot of John Prine and Bill Withers. That's so fucked up. I'm telling you, dude, it's in my Spotify because as he, he would say, what, uh, Bill Withers, Carnegie Hall, you know, and I would put it in there and I would I would uh, do a favorite thing on there. So I'd remember to go back and it's all in my Spotify, dude. Wow. All those songs we listened to. Yeah. For the people so, that don't know, both those guys are no longer with us. That's why I said uh, that's so fucked yeah, up. Very wow. weird. Very, very strange. Weird. Like I said earlier, man, yeah, this quarantine was not meant for Vic. He wasn't going to go anywhere because, uh, I mean... I. You know, he had options. I mean, the guy could, you know, pick up and go if he wanted to. He just wanted to stay in New York. I tell you, one of the one of the first people that I heard from after the news got out was a uh, uh, New York comedian, Nico White. Okay, Nico White, funny dude. He's one of the first people I met when I moved to New York, and he's always at the comic strip and you know all this. So me and Nico and other comedians have been hanging around with Vic at the comic strip, you know all this. And uh, Nico called me that night, and that was like the first time I teared up 
when he said, he goes, man, he goes, as soon as I heard that Vic died, he goes, that's exactly how he wanted to go, man. He died in that apartment. Right. And I started laughing, but also tearing up, thinking about it. I'm like, you're exactly right. Vic's whole thing, went, dude went through two marriages, had to fork out all sorts of money, kept that apartment, that badass apartment on the Upper East Side, and you know, maintained a life where he could have that, do all that. He would say, I'm never going to retire. I'm going to die in this apartment. I'm yeah. dying in that apartment. <laughs> yeah. That was his thing. <laughs> so... <laughs> Oddly enough, that's what happened. I, I like that you brought up how professional he was. Yes, he never wanted to disappoint anyone. He would always be, after a radio show or a podcast, that was good, right, buddy? That was good, right? I'm like, oh, God, Vic, of course it was good. It was, you know, it was, it was effortless always with him. But what I'll miss about Vic Henley the most was just uh, just the simple stuff, man. You know, we... We got to do a lot with the radio show and then the podcast and, you know, hanging at Gephardt's and all that and hanging with, you know, fans of the podcast. But yeah. just the simple things. And, and one of those was uh, we were walking home after the radio show and um, we would always walk to the middle of Central Park because at that point he lived on the east side and I lived on the west side. So we always knew, let's walk straight down the middle of Central Park. And one day we're walking. It was after the afternoon uh, show in the fall. It's already dark out and we're walking in Central Park and we're getting distracted and and we keep walking and the fireworks are starting for the uh, New York City Marathon. They would do the fireworks display the, the night before the marathon. As a night little before, right pre-celebration and so we're walking it's just a perfect night we had a good radio show and we're laughing and joking and he's just uh god more knowledge than anyone I, i'll ever know always learn something every time you talk to vic and and he absolutely had a photographic uh memory because it was crazy what he could pull out of his damn skull at any moment in time and we keep walking and i'm so interested in what he's saying and we're looking at the fireworks and the fireworks are getting closer and closer and closer long story short we were less than a hundred yards from where they were firing those damn things and and the fireworks themselves are raining down on me and vic henley and we're both like <laughs> we're both like i don't think we're supposed to be this close to the fireworks and right. but then me and him are like but no one stopped us you know there was no police tape or anything like you're that. in the firing zone get and, out yeah more or less and we right. just laughed ourselves silly as as pretty significant like embers or whatever you want to call it. Sure, We're just raining, down, raining down around us. And we just thought it was the funniest <laughs> fucking thing. And, and we're looking at each other like, buddy. He's like, buddy, why didn't anyone stop us? And I, I'm like, I don't know. But now we're in danger, you know. Uh, it, was yeah. just, it was just those, those just dumb, simple things uh, that I will cherish when I think of Vic Henley. Talking about the... The little things. It was me sending him a text saying uh, brown liquor and barbecue in the backyard in thirty minutes. Yeah, and 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 he would just come over and we'd sit out there for a few hours. We'd uh, turn the music on just on the phone, sit out there, smoke weed, cook meat, yeah, do all that. Yeah, um, it was the simple things, and I feel bad for you because uh, your apartment's now going to have a lot of pigeons. Right. A lot of pigeons. The pigeon killer. The baby the baby pigeon killer is gone. Yeah. Well, you know, look, I like a firearm as much as the next person. Maybe I'll pick it up. You know? <laughs> you're gonna Shit. You're gonna Might be infested well. with pigeons. The word is is out, man. The pigeon mm -hmm. killer is no longer with us.
Ah, oh, fuck, Judd. God damn it. I know, man. I, you know, there's no uh, rhyme or reason to any of it. You know, it's, it's like, um, I'll tell you this. Okay, see, this would have this was a perfect thing. Picture and text to send Vic yesterday. And I thought about it, and then it was like that, oh, fuck, you know. I was out here because I'm in Florida, and I'm going out there uh, fishing just on the beach at night, you know. And, you know, I bought the pole and the, and the thing to stick in the ground to put the pole in. I got my rig out there, you know. Didn't spend a lot of money, but a little bit of something on this. Throwing this out there, and I'm just catching, you know, a little small fish. Nothing crazy. Some some keepers, but, you know, I'm not lighting the world on fire. Yeah. This, this fucking hillbilly runs up on the – walks out on the beach – He's wearing overalls and and no shirt, and he looks like a caveman, <laughs> beard and all this. And and he walks out. He's got a casting net to throw out to get bait and a fishing pole that doesn't even look like a regular fishing pole. It might have been a fucking cane pole. And he throws out the casting net, gets some bait, throws it on his little shitty pole, throws it out there, catches a fucking redfish that's so big I think it's illegal. In wow. like five five minutes, I'm no. out there with my good rig and shit, not catching shit. Yeah, and I'm like, you know, wanting to send the text of this caveman out there to Vic, and you know, <laughs> I thought about it, and I'm like, oh fuck, you know, I mean, well, you know, shit. You should have texted your new friend. Uh, your, All right, I'll send you your, that redneck shit. Yeah, you're casting yeah. too far, my friend. Probably <laughs> story of my life. You're dude. casting too far, and he knows that. The, the biggest fish I have caught surf casting, I barely got it in the water. A lot of those fish mm. like to hang out where those waves crash because it, 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 it knocks all sorts of stuff up in the air that they could eat. So I bet you you're casting too far because most people, when they're surf casting, they're thinking, man, the further I, I cast, the bigger the fish. And it's just simply not true. They, they like to feed a lot closer to shore, my friend. Well, there might be something to that because, again, he looked like he had some little shitty rod and reel. Yeah. And he plucked that fucking redfish out of the water. Oh, yeah. I've got little fucking, what are the little crabs, the little sand flea things and shrimp on there? Oh, yeah. yeah I got a whole thing. No. Yeah, he's yeah. got bait fish he just caught wearing his fucking overalls. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Wet. And here's the other thing I'm going to teach you. Tell me. You don't need to spend a lot of money on your rig. No, I didn't spend a lot of money. Yeah. But it was definitely more than whatever the fuck he had going on. Oh, yeah. On. Okay. Oh, my bait guy. Uh, he's, he's 70 something. He is as old school and he's been at this a long time. He's taught me a lot. And at first he used to laugh at me. He's like, "Ah, just, just take this right here is all you need. Don't come in here with all these questions about all this fancy crap. You need this, you know, middle of the road reel. Here's a couple striper rigs. Grab a couple anchors. Here's some clam bellies and, and don't cast so far. That's why don't you're not, cast so far. Well, he taught me that. He's like, that's why you're not catching anything. And sure enough, man, when I listened and started like just casting a little shallower, uh, you know, I started finally catching all sorts of stuff. So, dude, I said, well, that's maybe that's one of those things. That's not a bad lesson in life, and even in general, you don't have don't cast so far. Yeah, a hundred percent, man. Life shouldn't be so. <laughs> no, life shouldn't be so hard. You're right. How's Florida as far as you know? staying at home that 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 state's gonna get us all killed you know who knows what any of all this is going to lead to or, or or whatever but i think there's a lot to be said about places like you know a little community like this or places like where i grew up in south texas and different places around the country that they got to get back to work dude new york's going to be the last oh i know you know but all these little places man where there's not much going on 
you gotta let people live their lives, man. And that's the thing that I'm just, I'm so surprised that places like where I am or where I grew up talking to my parents, like who were just fine in South Texas, they're, they're going by the same regulations as New York city. Right. And I, that's kind of absurd, you know? Yeah. I don't, I don't disagree with you at all. I mean, when we get back eventually, you know, you're not coming back anytime soon, right? Yeah. We're, we're not going to recognize New York city. When we get back, there's going to be so many places that are going to be boarded up and closed down. You know, we were doing just fine staying in the city when all this started going on and, you know, I just the way I grew up, the way the stuff that my dad hammered into my head. It's like, you know, if if, if someone comes up to me on the street, I don't know, and it's like, hey, I'm looking at blah, 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 and they're trying to get my attention. I just assume somebody behind me is trying to rob me. Yeah, yeah. Like that's just how the stuff that my dad hammered into my head. And so to me, like this whole thing going on in New York, to me it was the panic. Like I'm not worried about the sickness. People get the sickness. Some people, you know, get it worse than others. Some people die. I get that. Right. But the panic is the thing that I was concerned about. Like when things don't start working right and people start panicking and all this, I tell you, there was a few things that happened that I, I looked around and I'm like, yeah, I mean, we got an option to go to some other places if we want to. So maybe now it's time to go. Yeah. You know, what was I the, what was the thing that made you go? Ah, we, we got to move on. For well, I, I tell you, it's funny because there, there was, there was two things in particular every every, every night in the city, you know, uh, people, put out your recycle uh, or, or whatever given nights, put out your garbage and your recyclables and the paper and all this stuff. Right. Yeah. And so there's the same two Asian ladies that come around every time we put the recycles, recyclable stuff out. Right. And they always come through and they always got the truck on the corner and they load it up and they go. And I started seeing other people like from further uptown who were coming down and picking through and leaving garbage all over the ground. Oh. Right. So that was one thing. Yeah. And the other and the other thing was you're seeing more of like uh the uh the dirt bikes and the four wheelers and shit, right? Yeah. Like that you know, everyone's on lockdown and so some people are feeling bold enough to ride these bikes and shit in that part of the city. Well, that's not normal. Yeah. Like, you know, like I, I don't give a shit. They're not hurting anybody. I don't give a shit personally, but they felt like it was open up enough to where fuck it we can drive like 50 people down or up third Avenue. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 was, I was like, well, they, they started to think, uh, you know, it might be a, a bit like the wild, wild West. I've only been back to New York city once. I felt really bad. Cause uh, me and my, my kids, we started a, uh, you know, a fish tropical fish hobby. And, you know, for a little bit, we had a couple people in the building that were dropping these like uh, pyramid uh, bombs into the, tank and they could feed off that for a good week and then i'm like i look at my wife i'm like it's do or die man we can't keep asking people they're worried about their jobs and 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 staying healthy and we can't keep right. asking them to feed our tropical fish so it's do or die i'm like i think i could make it to new york city and back without talking to anybody so long story sure. short i went into the city and i only saw one person i told the story on the uh, on a past episode so i don't have to go through the whole thing but um, 90% of my, my building, they don't live there anymore. Only 10% of the people stayed. Everyone else said, fuck this and left. And I, and put, out, yeah. I put my tropical fish in, um, in gallon milk jugs. The point I want to make today is I was going down the Long Island Expressway. I just wanted to get home. So I was going 85, 90 miles an hour like it was nothing. Everyone was driving Open that. Everyone yeah. was driving that fast. Wait, I, wait, 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 wait. 
So wait, wait a minute. Just so I'm clear, you you went back to the apartment in the city, yeah. and you had some stuff to do, but the fish were there. Yeah. Okay. So you went out to the coast, left the fish. Yeah. Went back to check your mail and get you and get fish and put them in the jugs to take them back out. Yeah. So I could save them. It's a could- fucking rescue mission, dude. Yeah. And I went in yeah. the I went in the yeah. middle of the night and I got there really late because I'm like I don't I won't run into any people in the cover of darkness. Oh yeah, man. And then <laughs> I was in my apartment. Oh, I, I should tell you the some of the good stuff. So I'm in my apartment. You know, there was a little less from the kids and my wife as well, and I had to get the mail. And sure. uh, and then I'm like, I think I was going to do it all in one day. I'm like, I think I could sleep for a few hours. I'm kind of tired. You know, I was like okay. around midnight, maybe one in the morning. And then ah, I, covert operation, dude. I, I, lay, right. yeah. I, I lay down. My eyes pop up at 515. I'm in a complete panic because it's going to take me at least an hour to break down the all the other stuff from, uh, you know, the fish tank and get all this other stuff. That okay, right. So I, I'm in a complete panic. I wake up at 515. I'm like, it's fucking go time <laughs> because I didn't want to see anybody. And I'm spraying my no. way. I'm spraying my way out of the apartment. I'm spraying my way to the elevator, uh, spraying buttons. I'm just spraying wherever I wherever I can. And I get everything in the car, and I'm out of the city by 6.15. I'm like, I think it's going to take me an hour. I I, oh, I, I honestly yeah. saw one person, the, the guy behind the desk, and he was still on duty because he was doing the overnight shift. And uh, so then I jump in my car, and now I'm going 85, 90 miles an hour down the Long Island Expressway. And boy, <laughs> do the cops love pulling people over on the Long Island Expressway. And right. everyone, the the... The, the traffic was all going around 80, 85, 90 miles an hour. And there were cops on the side of the road and they didn't even blink. They're like, just fucking go. Godspeed, brother. Well, because at this saying. point, you know, yeah. it was pretty yeah. scary for everybody because we weren't wearing masks uh, or anything yet. And, uh, sure. you know, the cops are thinking, too, like, I'm not what I'm going to I'm going to chase this guy down and give him a speeding ticket and, and risk getting the coronavirus. Fuck yeah, that. Because yeah, yeah. they all have families, too. So it was sure, sure. it was amazing though, man, to go that fast finally on the Long Island Expressway without open worrying about up, cops. Open it up, yeah. <laughs> 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 oh fuck, I love that. The, yeah, in the cover of darkness, you went and got the check the mail. Yeah, got the fish. Yeah, got the took a nap and got yep. the fuck out. I and, love that. And That's I, great. I'm amazed these fish made it. I was like. They were just in the passenger passenger seat. I didn't have the car warm enough at this point. It was still kind of very, very early spring. So it was like 30, 35 right. degrees out. But th- they're hardy, man. They're, they've been uh, in this location for about three weeks, and they're doing just fine. So, so all, of them, all of them made it. Yes, every single Beautiful. one. Because I even warned the kids. I'm like, look, yeah, we might lose half of them. I don't know. I don't know what the it hell I'm happen. doing. From what I remember, I haven't had an aquarium since I was a kid. But if you're transporting fish, you would want to get them regulated to different water temperatures, right? Yeah. Like you would want to. Right. So you just put them in a fucking bucket with the same water. Yes. I'm guessing. Yeah. And said, all right, we're going to make a break for it, motherfuckers. Yeah. Here we go. Yeah. I think, what, made it. I think what saved them was I brought some of their old water with them in other gallons. Sure. So sure I probably. Comfortable. It was a. 29 gallon tank i brought uh probably in total 10 gallons of their water and then the fish tank uh where i'm at now was half full so i I mixed the two and dumped them in and they're they're rock stars man 
They're swimming in their own brand, going 90 down the Long Island <laughs> Expressway. <laughs> oh, the water's sloshing in the passenger seat. <laughs> yeah, right. Cause, it's a fucking rescue mission. Well, the fish store yeah. told me to use bags, and then I'm thinking, I was thinking maybe I'll just uh, empty half the water from the tank and just like put it in the back of my Let car. Let it slosh. In the end, I said, fuck, I think, I think milk jugs. I think you put that- it in a milk, like a milk, like a gallon jug? Yes. I was saving the, the milk the jugs. Top. Well, I got I, I got younger kids, so they're still drinking a shitload of milk. So I'm yeah. like, I start saving the milk jugs ahead of time. Like, I think I'll use milk jugs. You yeah. save the milk jugs for the fish transport? Yes. <laughs> wow, dude. That's that's forward thinking, dude. That's forward thinking. Holy shit. Yeah. That's way impressive. So you had a gallon milk jug. How many fish are we talking? Uh, how many we got? Uh, well, uh, 8, 10, 12. 12 but the 12 fu- fish and one milk jug no no i spread them out man i had it all figured out because i got babies because what happened was how I mean, many milk jugs did you have in your car uh oh boy did i look like white trash uh <laughs> three for the fish maybe it wasn't 10 gallons but at least another four four or five yeah i had i had about seven or eight uh, milk jugs my luck. We start this, uh, you know, this hobby. Me and my son, and we found a great fish store in uh, Manhattan, and I'm sure it's gone by now. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, because I, I don't know how they're going to survive. We go there and we decide to get a molly and a swordfish, and then you know we were going to like get other things. But all right, let's bring these two home and see how they do. Judd, the one was pregnant, and when I saw the guy grabbed the fish i'm like oh fuck that one's definitely pregnant because you know i have some knowledge i got some knowledge from the old days wouldn't wouldn't you know so we put him in the fish tank the next morning there's a hundred babies in my tank it gave birth hours after we brought it home fucking deadbeat dad and then the fucking savage uh molly mother just starts eating her, her own kids basically Hey man, Hakuna Matata, motherfucker! Oh my God, they this thing—that's how it works. But how how are you? How do you go through life and you get pregnant as a, a stupid fucking fish, and you know you're carrying something in your belly, whatever knowledge they got, and then you give birth to a hundred baby fish, and then your first thought is, I got to eat all of them. <laughs> protein. I need protein. Right. That's exactly what it is. I'm thinking I'll try to save around ten. How did you determine which ones would be sacrificed? Oh no! I mean, it was it was right off the bat. It was just savage. I mean, these things <laughs> these these things were just getting eaten like left and right. And and there's there were ones hiding in some uh, plants and stuff. So honestly, right. I saved seven in the end. And then wouldn't you know, one motherfucker that I never saved, all of a sudden, a week or two later, I'm like holy shit there's one still alive in there and uh so long story short we have eight babies two adults everyone's got their own version of nom yeah oh god yeah but it was jesus dude it was it was horrifying though like what the the hell man (laughs) no knowledge that these little baby fish are yours you sick fuck Mm-hmm. Right, right. Now it's on you. Anyway, Judd Jones, man, I I absolutely miss you. Uh, we'll definitely have to get to get parts and uh, do this upright when we can, you know. Well, when we can get back to uh, whatever normal life is going to be after this, yeah, you know, I mean, it's going to be a, a version of it, but uh, I think it's going to be a long time, man. Especially for New York, it's going to be a slow, a slow roll, and 
something that Lisa and I talked about even last night. You know, we're down here. Um, it's weird not to talk to Vic for a period of time, but like when we get back to New York, it's going to just all come up again. Yes. Because they're going to be right next door and it's just going to be fucking weird. That's for sure. But well, well the pandemic, uh, I hate to say this, but it is the truth, uh, has helped with the morning process a little bit because, you know, we're all fucking worried and scared shitless. Sure. So it, it's, right. it's kind of put the Vic thing, uh, I wouldn't say on the back burner, but in a weird way has made it easier for now. I'll say that yeah. just for now. And and honestly, it's it hasn't been that easy. But I think you know what I'm talking about. I know what you're talking about, man. And, you know, something I told that I told his mother, I, I said, you know, I talked about the apartment. I didn't say something that all he ever wanted to do was die in his apartment. I, you <laughs> yeah. know, I didn't say that. Yeah. But but my, my point to her was, like, Vic did it. He was content with everything that he had done up to that day that he died. Yeah. You know, uh, he, he was always able to make a great amount of money for many years at a great apartment could dictate and do what he wanted to do. And again, that's the kind of thing that to me was like, that's the thing to kind of like, you know, if you can get to that where, you know, you don't need celebrity to be successful necessarily. And if you can do that, fuck man, I, I would personally, I would love nothing more than to go out on Thursday, Friday, Saturday and do shows and then just go into a fucking cave the rest of the week. Yeah. Like that would be, my or you know that would be my fucking shangri-la yeah and you know he was able to fucking do it dictate what he wanted to do forever and didn't have to have a boss and you know i uh i admire that man that's something to that's something to shoot for yeah um you said something there that i really want to jump on um if you're looking at you know celebrity to be successful oh that is it depends on what you want man there's no 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 there's so many people that I know that they're like, if only if, first of all, you should never live your life with if only if, if only, if only if I had a top uh, rated radio show, if only if I was selling out arenas, then I would be happy, then I would be enjoying my life. That's the mistake so many fucking people make, whether you're in entertainment or or whatever you do for a living. You can't play right. the only if game. And if you're looking at celebrity to be successful where you could finally say I made it, you're you're doing it all wrong because the celebrity doesn't last. And then when it goes away, what the fuck do you have left with your life? Right, 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 right. Well, you, you, you know, you want to be earning, you want to be, if you've maintained a certain, uh, you know, lifestyle, whatever sure. level that is, sure. like it, you know, that, that to me, and again, for me, having had a whole nother life before this and did pretty well. And, you know, comedy wise, it's like, you know, if I can just, exist by making people laugh it's not even a celebrity thing like yeah. that i would i feel like i was stealing on people if yes. i could do that at a level to where i didn't have to worry about once the automatic bills right processed every month yeah you know i'm not at, i'm not looking for much but that kind of thing but for vic someone like him i mean you know should dude i mean he was able to do you know at 57 and even for many years before that to dictate what he wanted to do because he had enough going on to, to, you know, hit the gas or hit the brake whenever he wanted. <laughs> yeah. Know? No, if you, if you do it for the love of it, for the most part, everything else will follow. And I yeah. mentioned all that because that's why me and Vic really did get along. I mean, I was, 
I was at the top of the mountain uh, in the radio world. I sure. I, was, I wasn't fucking happy. I mean, I got a I got a damn good life because of it and stuff. But you know, I'm right. having more fun now talking to way less people, making way less money, and sure. uh, and I think that's why. You know, the last version of the radio show and uh, the podcast with uh, me and Sherrod and Vic and Carl. And then you at the end, obviously, we were all yeah. just doing it for the love of it. And because we really, we really out. loved hanging out with each other and it was effortless. And we all knew none of us was really were really making money off it. But that was OK for all of us, including uh, our pal Vic Henley. Right. Well, I'm actually waiting for money if um <laughs> oh what what happened you want to pass something you want to break some off what, no 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 what your, your phone your what your reception break, What's going break on? it hello are you in a tunnel hey hey are you still there john yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no man you're right though dude i mean it was you know in in the, in the way that you know i met you and carl and you know all that and sherrod any time that I would hang out with y'all, it's the same thing as if I was hanging out with Vic. We're just bullshitting and, you know, hanging out or whatever. Yeah. And um, that's why, you know, you talk about when Vic would say, uh, you know, oh, no, I think that was good. That was good. Whatever. He, he would ask me the same thing. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, it's a simple formula, dude. If people are having a good time talking with each other and, and talking shit and telling stories, that's going to be interesting to people. They're going to, you know, want to listen to that. Yeah. And if nothing else, we, we have those recorded. And see, here's the other thing, man. I mean, the fact that I've got, you know, that you, you know, you had me on your, you know, podcast before I've got all these recordings with all y'all and me and my fucking buddy bit dude, that I'll always be able to have that. I just really oh, yeah. appreciate, which brings me up and look, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm my, I'm my third Jack Daniels and water into this whole thing. Beautiful. But this, this is what I wanted to tell you. Uh, there's the, uh, on that episode when uh, this was a bad idea episode. Yeah. I'm very proud of the fact that I stumped Vic on the good hearted woman thing about Waylon Jennings and Willie and how it was written about. Oh, Tina yeah. Turner and Mike Turner. yeah. I stumped, I stumped him. So, you know, you, you're, you're, you're the master of all that shit. I want you to edit that section where I got him and I want you to send that to me. Oh, no problem for your podcast. Judd Jones does a good no, podcast. No, just, just for me to have, oh, okay, I'm, not no problem. I'm not even technical enough to know how to, how to do it on my podcast. Ah, it's yeah, easy. Right. Uh, <laughs> but, and it's funny, I would have even more recordings of all of us, but there were times Vic would look at me and go, turn that thing off. <laughs> <laughs> but I'd be like, because right. hey, I got a programming mind, I'm like, oh, this is so good. We could do another hour or two. But, you know, he was right. Sure. Turn that damn thing off and let's just hang out. We did it. Let's let's hang just out. enjoy well, it. it, it was, you know, anytime that I was involved, I, you know, my, my first-hand account, yeah, hanging out with any of y'all, it was always just as natural as if the oh, yeah. the audio was on or not. The line was always blurred because, um, <laughs> like I said, I've been doing this a long time, but um, it was so so just easy and natural with those guys, where I felt like I was more like my true self than any other time in my career. So, well, that's it. Look, dude, if you're having fun and you're transporting fish in the middle of the night, fuck it. Yeah. Oh, fuck yeah. And now, like our, you've won. Well, now our family, <laughs> our family feels complete because I was like, we're not going to be back in the city anytime soon. That tropical fish thing meant a lot to me and my kids and, and my wife sure. to a certain extent. And I'm like, I know we're not going back anytime soon, but that's that feels like while. that feels like home to us. I gotta get those I damn get it, fish. Hundred percent, dude. Yeah. I, I think it's a. Uh... I, I, the visual of it, like you in the middle of the night and all that shit, like running back and forth, 
oh. is hilarious with, with the fish involved. I have to say that on the surface. But I totally get it, dude. It's normalcy. It's what y'all yeah. are used to. It's what the kids are used yeah. to. It's, you know, hey, the fish are out here. This is normal. I wasted know? I wasted too many of our, our gloves and masks, though. Because I just oh, kept, did. oh, I just kept ripping gloves off. I'm like, I touched the elevator button. Uh, I, I got to ah, get a new pair. Ah, I got to get a new yeah. pair of fucking gloves on. It was just, right, I was, dude. I was very obsessive about the whole thing. So yeah, well, at least I bought these gloves uh, a whole fucking box before we left. Yeah, and they're all mediums. Oh, so every time I put my hand in it, it breaks. I can't even do oh. anything. I just got to grab anything like with paper towel. But oh, fuck, you know. We're not worried about it. We're just hanging out with the caveman down in Florida. I love it. I'm going to uh, call you soon so I get an update on your fishing now that you know to cast a lot shallower, my friend. A lot shallow. What what what, what did we say? You don't have to cast that far? Or what, what was it? Uh, you'll have to listen back to it. There was a good statement in there. Yeah, man. It's uh, they're, they're a lot closer to shore. I don't know exactly how I put it, but... Uh, right, right, right. All right. I think, it might be, I think it might be actually the name of this podcast episode. Uh, in memory of Vic Henley and whatever we said, you don't have to cast too far. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that, that was beautiful. Actually, I liked how yeah. you said that. Uh, it said I forgot it five minutes after you said it, but I really enjoyed it at the time. <laughs> right? Yeah, it sounded good. I think I remember emotionally. I feel like it sounded good. It was. All, it was perfect. That's right. That's right. It's a little foggy at this point, and yeah. All right, Judge Jones, you take care of yourself and uh, say hi to Lisa, and you guys stay safe down there in Florida, all right? All right, boy, you too, man. I enjoy talking with you, and I'll catch up with you soon. Oh, what's the plug? Give me something for the people. Uh, Well, here, okay, uh, my podcast, which I haven't done much, haven't felt that funny. This talking to you has kind of helped me, so I'm going to put together something. I want to do something just talking about Vic and my next episode, Diary of Judge Jones podcast. Right. And uh, that's that whole thing. I'm just trying to document. Remember my previous 40 years and blah, 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 blah. Perfect. And uh, talk about dead friends. Oh, God. <laughs> oh this death but thing's getting anyway, old. But no, man, I, I, I certainly appreciate you having me on, man. Like I said earlier, you seem like you're all right. So far, so good. So, you know. Uh, I'm, I'm faking it a little bit, you know. That's all right. I'm using Fake this. It we make it. We all do. Yeah. I'm using this as a bit of a distraction. I'm not going to lie to you, but in, in general, I'm okay. I'm okay because I, I don't know. I, I know uh, Vic was in a good place and uh, he accomplished a lot in his life. And he was also the type of guy that he wasn't. He wasn't. Uh, he wasn't worried about moving on. No, no. He he was happy with everything that was going on now and yeah. two months ago, three six months ago, a year. He he was you what? know happy as can be. I just I just I just felt you know just like with any friends that you have, I felt like I was going to know him till he died when he was in his late eighties or something. Yeah, you know? and it's like ah fuck. Uh, he was he did a thing in here. I'll tell you this right. He did a thing uh, when we were in Baltimore a couple weeks ago at McGooby's. It was like second show Saturday night and. um packed i mean there's tons of people in this place and it's like a theater seating it's a great comedy room and um there was a table in the front and it was 20 something people at the table 25 people i mean it was a long table that went straight from the stage out you know and it was all black folks like in their 20s and 30s and there was one white dude at the end yeah right who was with like a, a chick who was black or whatever so he said on the end it was all black folks from you know the whole table like that and vic noticed it Right. And then he goes, Oh, he goes, Oh, hello, black people. Like that, you know, and <laughs> right. right. And then they, and then he sees that white dude. And he goes, Oh, white guy on the end. And then the, you know, people kinda of whatever. And he goes, I'm gonna call this table reparations. <laughs> 
perfect. It was beautiful, yeah. dude. I mean, it was just perfect. I mean, but he had, you know, he had that crowd work shit because that's what I would tell him is I'd, I'd see him, you know, do the crowd work stuff. And I know enough to know that anything he's saying up there, he's done before, but he's also got 30 plus years behind him yeah. to where, you know, he could do it. and that's what I don't have. So, you know, when I, when I'd see him do that stuff, I'm like, Oh fuck. Yeah. That's that 30 year shit. Like, you know, right. You know, he knows well enough. That there's 20 black people who were kind of smiling already at the table. He can say that's the reparation table because of one white boy at the end. Perfect. And he had them all. He had, them. of course you know? he did. Of course he did with a little, <laughs> little wink in his eye as he's saying stuff yeah, like that. They all, we all took pictures after the show. All of us. Nice. Together. I mean, you know, they were thrilled. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. You know. All right, Judd. We'll uh, we'll obviously keep in touch. I'll have you on sooner than later. But uh, thank you so much, man. I really appreciate it. All right, boy. I, I, I do too. I enjoyed talking with you. And uh, fuck, man. I I can't even imagine when we'll all be back in New York and living quasi normal lives. But I look forward to it. That's for sure. Hundred percent. I'm right there with you. All right, boy. Good talking to you. I'll catch up with you. That was uh, that was good. <sighs> Yo. What, you wanted to go with the dramatic out and hang up on me, you son of a bitch? Was that what it was? <laughs> I, I thought you hung up on me. I said, all right, boy, I'll talk to you later. And I heard a click. Is that what happened? I'm like, this guy wants the dramatic out. I was like, I, I felt like it was a natural out. I was getting ready to go outside in the wind and have a smoke. I felt natural about the whole, I don't know. Was, I don't know, man. <laughs> it was awesome. I just called you back to bust your balls. <laughs> That's good. Sure, sure, sure. No, I felt it felt pretty natural. I'm not gonna lie to you. I felt confident about it. I said, "All right, boy, red button later." Later. That's it. It's the Late Show with David Letterman. Tonight, comedian Vic Henley. Our next guest is a very funny gentleman, and he can be seen regularly at the Gotham Comedy Club right here in New York City. Please welcome to the Late Show, Vic. Henley. Vic? Thanks, everybody. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. I, uh, I'm from Alabama originally. So, most people associate the southern accent with stupidity. And uh, granted, you know, there are certain things you don't expect southerners to say. Checkmate. That'd be one. <laughs> I'll take Shakespeare for a thousand. Shadows are falling and I'm running out of breath. Keep me in your heart for a while. If I leave you, it doesn't mean I love you any less. Keep me in your heart for a while. Hand trained, hand raised, non-biting pets. You go to Woolworths, get a hamster? Come to my house and get a sugar glider. Come to the Henleys. We got squirrels for sale. I think that influenced all of us because when I walk around New York City and I see a squirrel, I'm thinking maybe this one could be a sugar glider. It's a Louisiana thing, it's, it's, but it's in the South. It's a sugar glider. <laughs> Were you really convinced you trained him? Come on. My brother was completely convinced that he was the P.T. Barnum of sugar gliders. <laughs>
can remember going to the Sadie Hawkins dance. <laughs> Lord have mercy. Me in your heart for a while. Lord have mercy. That was before the sock hops. <laughs> got a brand new neighbor just moved in my building he just moved in i don't talk to anybody in all three buildings and i'm like hey i'm your neighbor if you need me i guess ask me for something <laughs> you're right it was a new york city moment i'm a good neighbor but i'm an absent neighbor uh, if you smell weed yes it's me <laughs> look if you really need something i will help you